One, two, three into the fours. Look out below for those scores on the doors. Stocks keep sinking. Que paso con the love? Did it fly south with the rest of the doves? Is it the triple threat of rate hikes, price spikes, oil supply disruption? Conjunction, junction, what's the function of central banks when sentiment tanks and growth slows and no one knows when the tide will turn and the buyers return to their bullish ways? Give thanks and praises to that schoolhouse rock. It taught us the fundamentals of how to get right in our mentals. We can't get sentimental when the stocks we choose turn into lemons. So we grab that fruit, squeeze hard and press, make lemons into lemonade on the Investopedia Express. As B.B. King would say, the thrill is gone from the U.S. equity markets. We're coming off two straight weeks of declines as investors keep pulling the reins on risky assets and seeking safety wherever they can find it. 41 days into the year, and the NASDAQ is down 13.5%, the Russell 2000 down 10%, the S&P 500 down 9%, and the Dow Jones Industrials are down 6%. Inside the NASDAQ, the carnage is severe. More than half of NASDAQ stocks are down 50% or more from their recent highs. What's working in 2021? Oil prices. They're up 21%. Gold, for goodness sake, is up 3.8%, and cash is basically flat. Inside the stock market, oil stocks and financials are thriving, while just about every other sector has a deep winter cold. Where's the flow? Into treasuries, as investors parked almost $7.5 billion in government bonds there last week, the biggest inflows since March of gulp 2020. Only $2.2 billion went into equities last week, and $11.8 billion flew out of corporate bonds, the largest redemptions in 13 months. That, my friends, is a vote of no confidence on the economy. If investors don't think corporate bonds are worth the risk, they're betting against sustained economic growth. And for the first time in a long time, the U.S. stock market is the worst performer in the Western Hemisphere. Why? Because U.S. equity markets are heavily weighted with growth stocks, particularly tech. It's the more value-oriented sectors that continue to outperform. As it turns out, almost every other country on Earth, outside of Taiwan, has more exposure to those cyclical-type stocks that fall into the value category. The best-performing global markets as of February 18th, the Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, and Singapore. If you want to get technical, the share of stocks in the S&P 500 trading above their 200-day moving average is near 50%. Just a few months ago, it was closer to 80%. This, my friends, is a downtrend. When market breadth is as weak as it is, a prolonged period of this many stocks trading below their 200-day moving average is a warning sign that more selling could be in store. And you? How are you feeling? According to Investopedia's most recent survey of our daily newsletter readers, you're feeling about as anxious as you felt in a long time. 40% of our readers said that recent market events have prompted them to make, quote, safer investments, which is an 8% increase from our November 2021 survey results and the highest levels we've seen since October of 2020. You're worried about inflation, rising rates, and geopolitical tensions. We all are. According to the survey, you think there are still bubbles out there, even in the assets that have been ravaged by the bears over the past few months. 33% of our readers think Bitcoin is the biggest bubble, followed by Dogecoin and NFTs. U.S. residential real estate, electric vehicle stocks, and SPACs are next on your frothiness list. But bubbles and bear markets do not scare you. Investopedia readers are tough, they're smart, and they get back up when they get knocked down. 52% of our readers expect gains in the S&P 500 over the next six months, with 25% of them expecting gains of 5% or more. In fact, 63% of respondents say they are, quote, buying the dip, while only 31% say they've been selling and taking profits. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! All the great Peter Finch in the 1976 classic network. 
Speaking of U.S. residential real estate, 2021 was as big as we thought it was. The average single-family home price spiked 15.4% last year, and the average price topped $350,000. The National Association of Realtors says inventory for homes priced under $500,000 is super thin, and low-income buyers have found themselves priced out of the market. Let's get set up for the week ahead, and it'll be a shortened trading week here in the U.S. due to President's Day on Monday, but the earnings parade keeps marching in and the streets are getting slippery. Even strong earnings reports like NVIDIA's last week are being swatted away by investors looking to have their minds blown. With 82% of companies reported, S&P 500 earnings are on pace to hit a record high for the fourth consecutive year. Gap EPS, that's Gap Earnings Per Share, are up 68% year over year, and Operating Earnings Per Share are up 41%. That's outstanding, but maybe the best has already come. Key companies to watch this week include the Home Depot. Shares are down 16% from their recent high, so investors either think the housing boom is fading or consumers are going to pull back on spending. Norwegian Cruise Lines also reports results this week, and if you remember all the way back to the spring of 2020, Carnival and Norwegian were sailing over ground zero of the early days of the pandemic. Business ground ashore, and some ships with sick passengers were forced to keep sailing for weeks at a time until they could find safe haven. Cruise stocks have never fully recovered from that spring, so they better be talking about full ships and pricing power going into this spring and summer sailing seasons. On the economic front, we'll get the latest readings on consumer confidence and consumer sentiment in the U.S. and Europe this week. Here, stateside consumer sentiment fell to a 10-year low last month as inflation slapped us silly. The oil market is the main event this week as the prospect of Russia invading Ukraine looms larger. Crude oil prices topped $96 a barrel last week before fading by Friday, but analysts predict we could see $120 per barrel if Russia follows through with an invasion. Everyone needs a little motivation now and then, especially when it comes to our money. It's our number one source of stress in good times and in bad. And when markets are rocky or the economy looks uncertain, that's when we need it the most. There are plenty of financial coaches, gurus, and wizards out there on the internet that want you to follow their recipe for success and prosperity, but most of them are selling a dream, not a process. And the road to financial health is a process, a journey that never really ends. That's what Ash Cash Exantis has been preaching and teaching for years. They call him the financial motivator for a reason. He brings a culturally responsive approach to teaching financial literacy, building wealth, and entrepreneurship, and he makes it fun and approachable. You think I like hip-hop and finance? Well, you haven't met Ash cash yet, but you're about to, as he is our very special guest on the Investopedia Express this week. Welcome to the Express Ash. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Love the energy. Love the intro. We're going to have some fun today, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Absolutely. You talk about energy. You got enough energy to light up Harlem, which I know you're from just up the road here, even though you're down in Atlanta. But I've gotten so lost in all the content you're producing, your posts, your courses. You have created so much useful information for people over the years. What brought you to this place of wanting to be a financial motivator, Ash? Yeah, so I started out my career at 19. So like you mentioned, I'm from Harlem, 129th Street, 8th Avenue, St. Nicholas Projects. Grew up low income, single care at home. My dad wasn't around, so I'm the youngest of three. And so I've always been an entrepreneur. So from eight years old, packing bags at the local supermarket to selling mixtapes and T-shirts at Mark 125th Street, you know, 125th Street. And then just when I became... 19, I got an opportunity to work at the bank. And I did everything in banking from teller to personal banker to branch manager. I was the CEO of a credit union, one of the youngest CEOs of a federally chartered bank at 31 years old. And then in the words of the Honorable Sean Carter, Jay-Z, there's much bigger issues in the world I know, but I first had to take care of the world I know. I felt like growing up the way I grew up and then ascending in the banking world 
and having conversations with CEOs of billion dollar companies, I said that there was still a lack of financial education in the communities that I grew up in. And being that I had, I, I knew both languages, I could speak both languages, right? And I said, you know, there's much bigger issues, but let me let me take care of the world I know, the, the world that I that I understand. And that's where the passion comes from. And so I started out teaching in urban schools, you know, with Operation Hope. I used to go to jails, Rikers Island. I used to go to Rikers Island every Monday, teaching the inmates at C-74, went to churches. And then I just realized, like, this is well needed. Um, and so it was really about figuring out how can I mix the, my passion um, and then make this something that, that I could actually sustain my life. And it's a win-win where I'm doing what I love, but I'm also, you know, sustaining my livelihood and building wealth for myself and my family. If you're going to quote Jay-Z, Sean Carter, I'm going to do it too, because you're not a businessman, Ash. You're a business man. You're a business man. <laughs> you got books, you got courses, right? You have your academy, you have your social media platforms. You're now running this business of being a financial motivator and coach and helping people get a hold of their finances. But at the same time, you're also running your own small business. Very hard to do both at the same time and do it well. How challenging is that for you? And how have you sort of risen to that challenge? What have you had to build around you to make that work? Great question. There's a process that I use called do, document, delegate. And what's important about the do, document, delegate is that once you are first starting out in small business, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, you have to do it first, right? You have to be in growth. So you don't start off as the CEO. You actually are on the ground and you're doing everything. And then once you, you're on the ground doing everything, you have to start to document that process. Because once you document the process, you can now promote yourself to middle manager and then hire people or systems that can actually do the things on the bottom, right? And so, you know, when I first started, let's say I was sending out emails every day to people. Well, maybe I'll document that process and I'll delegate that to a system that does it for me. And then eventually, as you know, you continue to grow and you and the businesses started start to grow, you now just are the face, right? And so now, you know, for me, you know, I have a whole team around me that helps get this message out to a larger audience. So it's really about building a, a team. Well, as Jim Collins said, it has to be the right team. You got to make sure the right people are on the, on the bus. And that's how you get from good to great. Um, and so it was for me, it was really about having the right team. But first, I had to know what to do, right? I had to do it first. I had to make a lot of mistakes, a lot of trials and errors and figure things out. And then I documented that process. And then now I sort of delegate, not everything though, right? There's still things that only Ash Cash can do. And so I can't delegate some of the things that only I can do, but all of the other things that can be done by other people, you know, I delegate those things. Yeah, when you get to be CEO or you get to be a senior executive, there's a very big difference between working in the business and on the business. And as you get higher, you got to work on that business and have the people that can help you do it, the work in the business. Because otherwise, there's no, not, not enough time in the day. And I know you, you're using every second out there. If you follow Ash on the social media channels and folks do it if you want inspiration or just to feel good or learn something because there's so much content out there, you're putting a ton out there. So I know you got a lot of books and courses on everything from managing your personal finances to entrepreneurship and social marketing and really growing your own business. But let's talk about investing since it's closer to our hearts here at Investopedia. How do you invest for yourself and how do you counsel your students and your followers who want to, Ash, but are afraid to start? Yeah, I think first and foremost, investing is about understanding that there are four people in the world, right? So you got the consumers, you got the producers, you have the investors, you have the philanthropists. And in order for you to build a solid foundation, most people are just consumers, right? And so you have to be able to 
produce some things. And as you're producing those things, now you, you graduate to this investor mindset. And the investor mindset says, I'm going to change my relationship with money. Instead of working hard for money, money's going to work hard for me. I'm a big fan of investing in things that give me a big return in cash flow, right? So, you know, I invest in real estate. Landlords saved my life when I left banking world and jumped into entrepreneurship and was working with my physical label with money. You know, I almost went through foreclosure and all these different things because I didn't have that investment to save me. And so I invest in real estate. I do invest in in, in stocks, bonds, cryptocurrency a little bit, right? So I'm not, I don't go, you know, crazy in cryptocurrency, but I also don't want to miss out. And so I do have a small amount of money in cryptocurrency. But one of the things I like to do, and you know, for those who are, who are fans of, of the site might know this term, but I like to do dollar cost averaging, right? And so instead of just saving up ho- a whole lot of money and saying, all right, I got 10,000, 20,000, I'm going to invest, you know, all at once, I do dollar cost averaging. And so, you know, I take a percentage of my income at the end of the month, and that percentage stays the same, regardless of what the market is doing. If the market's up, if the market's down, I invest first. I love index funds. I love ETFs. I think that just from a long-term perspective, it allows my money to stay balanced and grow. And so I love index funds. I love ETFs. I'm, of course, averaging certain percentage that go into investing each month. But then I get to decide whether that money is going to be allocated into it like an index fund or ETF or if I'm going to buy an individual stock. We love dollar cost averaging here. We always say it's time in the market, not timing the market. So you're right. High, low, doesn't matter what's going on in there. A little bit every month, a little bit every month and make it automatic, right? Actually, you're not thinking about it. You're not worried about it. That money goes there and I'll look at it every quarter, maybe the end of the year. I'm not trying to time the market here. I just want to be in it. Absolutely, absolutely. So in the community you grew up in, right here in Harlem, 10 blocks from where I'm sitting right now, and in African-American communities around the country that you're reaching as, you are reaching these communities, what are the greatest mental obstacles that people have to getting their money right and investing and getting started? What's, what's blocking them? I think the biggest thing is just the skepticism of what wealth looks like, right? And so because uh, traditionally in our communities, the conversations around money isn't something that, that happens around the kitchen table. When I used to go to the, the bank with my mom, I couldn't go to the teller with her. You know, it was like, sit on the side, don't look at my account, don't ask me what's in it, none of that stuff. And so the money conversations weren't really being had. And because there's a lack of trust for banks and financial institutions, anytime when we talk about wealth, there's this, it's too good to be true, right? And especially now when we think about sort of, sort of like the barriers for entry are so low now. You know, I was a banker for 15 years. I remember, in order to invest, you needed $50,000 or more, right? You could not invest if you didn't have money. And so now when you think about all of the, the different platforms that allow you to invest with a dollar, with $5, you can do fractional shares. Like this is a new concept that now it has to start with education. So I think that the biggest barrier is just not looking at everything as a scam and there are scams out there. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't any, there's reasons why people are skeptical, but I think that with all of the information that's out there now, financial education is important, which is why I do what I do, right? This is why my mother used to always say, put the medicine in the candy. And as a hip hop head, you know, since 88, you're right. So I've been a hip hop head since 88. And so I am financial education, but I am also hip hop. And that's why I infuse hip hop in the financial education to kind of allow people to understand the concepts 
and to know that it's not as scary as it, you know, it may seem. Yeah, let's get into that because Express listeners know that I'm a little bit of a hip hop head, a little bit more than that. But you've gone next level in tying the lessons that you're teaching from artists like Jay-Z and Nipsey Hussle into your books, into your posts. How are you being able to tie that financial educational message into that work through looking at entrepreneurship, through looking at investing, the way we get paid? Because there's a lot of important messages in there that a lot of people are missing, but you've been able to fuse that. How are you doing that? I think because I've always been an entrepreneur, you know, since eight. And I've always been a hip hop head since eight, right? So ironically or coincidentally enough, my first record that I've listened to was Big Daddy Kane at eight years old, right? And so because I am that in my core, as I'm listening to music, there are things that the normal ear wouldn't necessarily listen to. Uh, like I'll give you an example. My first book that I kind of like started to tie it in, obviously, was The Wake Up Call, which is uh, based on Jay-Z's 444 album. When I listened to the album, a lot of people were like shocked, right? Because Jay-Z had the fight with, with Solange in the elevator and they wanted to know all, you know all the tea. And so they started to say, oh my God, Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce. And so the, the whole focal point of the 444 album was Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce. The truth of the matter, that's only 20% of the album. The whole 80% of, of the album, he's talking about generational wealth. He's telling you stop going to the strip club. He's telling you to, to buy land. He's telling you to fix your credit. He's tell, telling you about trust, about wills. And so as I'm hearing this, I'm going, like, as a financial educator, this is like a dream to me. I said, this is the guy that's, that, that had gangsters stop wearing jerseys and have gangsters wearing button-ups. So now people are going to listen. When Jay-Z says financial, financial freedom is the only hope, people are going to listen. And when I started to see people focusing so much on the 20%, the cheating, I said, I got to do something. And so it started out uh, me just going to colleges and, you know, teaching uh, lessons on it. But then I, I realized there was a need to go deeper and to go in. And so now it's just sort of a natural thing for me to kind of listen to hip hop lyrics and be able to visualize it in a different perspective too, right? Because sometimes, you know, I've never sold a drug in my life, but sometimes when I hear, you know, sort of like a rapper with trap music talking about drugs, I mash that and say, oh, this is a similar concept to, you know, stocks or bonds or whatever the case may be. And again, to the point of putting the medicine in the candy, instead of trying to, if you have a deep desire for your audience to be attached to your message, instead of trying to stay up where you are and bringing, you know, your audience up to you, it's better to just go to where your audience is. Because the truth of the matter, when you go to where your audience is, they'll actually respect you. They'll know that you're, that you really care for them. And then if you talk their language, then they'll be able to now have an open mind, open heart, and you can change the trajectory, not just for them, right? The work that we're, we're doing is not only about the individual, it's actually about a whole community, right? Because I'm not in the community every day. So if I could get somebody in the community who could get this message and now be another example, now that starts to spread out and now that becomes part of the culture. And that's, that's the aim. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're doing because you've built a very, very big following. But I can see that you're not just trying to build this for you. You're trying to build this as a movement towards financial literacy writ large, towards building wealth and helping people escape that cycle of poverty or escape that cycle of income inequality. And there are plenty of reasons. You said it, Ash. Plenty of reasons that that exists today. But there's also probably opportunities that folks aren't aware of 
to build a path to wealth. And if they're in debt, there are ways to get out. There are strategies that I know you're teaching and others are teaching. If you have some savings, there's a way to think about what you need, how much you're going to need, how you can invest. And you're right. The platforms make it easier. You don't have to be an accredited investor with 50 grand. You can invest with $10 today, but it's hearing the message. And I think, especially from you and from people who look like you and not like me, because they've been hearing from people that look like me for a very long time, Ash. But when it comes from you, it's easier to relate and you're relating to the people that they are looking at every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of the time that we're in, right? Because uh, there's so much information and that information can be spread faster than ever before. When you think about social media, I can literally do a reel that reaches hundreds and thousands of people, a two minute reel or a one minute reel that I did. It took me two minutes to record to reach so many different people. And so this is a great time. And as we look at all of the access that we now have and all of this information and how we could change the trajectory, it's just important that we continue to speak in the language that our audience understands so that they can also now enjoy what the American dream is and build build wealth for themselves and their generation. So let's talk about people that, that you do admire. Are there celebrity investors out there or people in general who are out there and that could be in the hip hop world or sports or in the professional and business world or services that you admire and that you admire them for the way that they've gone about their business? Who are some of the people you look up to, Ash? Yeah, I mean, obviously number one on that list is Jay-Z, right? So coming from Marcy Projects, being able to not only master music, but also master business and be able to have these different businesses that, you know, influence and uh, the way he invests in other businesses and the business acumen that it takes to touch so many different types of businesses. So I'm going to say Jay-Z first, definitely Nas, you know, I'm a big Nas fan. And, you know, again, another person that has his PhD, uh, his public housing degree growing up in uh, Queensbridge houses, but just watching some of the silent moves that he and his team has been making behind the scenes. Uh, when you think about Queensbridge investors and what, what they've been doing, being able to invest in a lot of these tech companies, these startups, making a lot of money from there. Magic Johnson has been a, a very, very big influence. A lot of the moves that he's been making. And I would say LeBron James as somebody who's young, but very quickly, he surrounded himself around the right people. Uh, he built his own team. Um, and he's made some smart decisions, you know, as it relates to his money and investment. So I, I, I would say those, those are my, my top top four folks that I, I admire and, and, and I look at as far as their, their business moves go. Yeah, pretty good starting four right there. You can add a point guard to that mix and you got yourself a championship team, no doubt about it. So in your life, though, beyond the folks that you looked up to, who was there for you to inspire you to kind of say, it's, it's Ash's time to be Ash and do what you got to do. Is there anybody really key in your life who helped you with that motivation that you're now spreading to other people? Oddly enough, man, I always give a shout out to, to my OGs, man, that I grew up with in the neighborhood because for whatever reasons, they saw something special in me. And so every time I, you know, I tried to kind of veer left or right and try to go in a different direction, you know, they were there. They were like, nope, go to school. You know, I remember getting beat up, you know, in the elevator because I wanted to cut school or I wanted to do something. And my OGs, my guys who, you know, probably weren't doing the right things themselves, but they were like, nah, Ash, you're not going, you know, down this path. And so first and foremost, those were the guys. But my basketball coaches, I played, you know, I'm 6'3", so I played basketball 
coming up. And so a lot of my basketball coaches were inspirations to me. But definitely, you know, as an adult, Alfred Edmond, the senior vice president at Black Enterprise, has been a mentor to me, has really been instrumental in, you know, helping me, you know, craft my my story as a financial educator and me watching him and, and seeing you can make money by educating people on money. And so he's been very instrumental in helping me. John Hope Bryant, who's the founder of Operation Hope. It's funny because uh, he's a mentor to me now in real life. Like I, I've interviewed him. I know him, but he was mentoring me before he even knew who I was. You know, my first time going to an inner city school um, and teaching financial literacy was because of John Hope Bryant and the movement he's been doing. Uh, with Operation Hope and just knowing that he's from Compton, he's from from the inner city as well. And he was able to create a whole business helping people. Um, And so he's been a mentor to me, Uh, Rashawn McDonald, who's, you know, powerful, you know, business manager and personality has been. So so I've been fortunate to be around um, some powerful people who are givers first and they give and they see that in me as well. So we talked a, bit, a little bit about dollar cost averaging. We always ask our guests for their favorite investing term. I got a feeling it's that, but if you have another one that you want to share with us, because we're a site built on terms, what's your favorite investing term or financial term, Ash, and why? Yeah. So besides dollar cost averaging, I'm going to stay in the, in the D lane. I'm going to say diversification. Diversification for me is, you know, I always say that that you should have both. In the words of Jay-Z, you should merrily, merrily eat off the streams, right? And so a lot of times when we talk about multiple streams of income, diversification to me is really about making sure that your portfolio is diverse, that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket and that you're investing like, all, all you, you work hard, right? Especially a lot of us who come from nothing, you want to make sure that you don't get to a space of financial abundance and then lose it all because, you know, you're banking on Amazon or you're banking on Walmart or you're banking on this one stock. And so I love diversification. I love to spread it out. And the reason, another reason for that is, is because it's for the long term. If you're a hustler, if you know how to get money, you're always going to have an increase of cash flow. But when that hustle dies down, when it's time you know, to get the beach house and you want to have that compound interest, you want to make sure that you, you've done the right things and diversified your funds so that later on, when, when, it's, when, it's, when it's time to you know, put the jersey up on the Raptors, uh, you know, you'll have a nice cushion. Uh, that keeps growing for you. Yeah, well, you look like you're building that for your own business uh, with the books and with the courses and what you're doing on the platforms and your speaking circuit. So it's really a, it's a delight to watch your business grow. And you seem to be really off to an amazing, amazing hot start. Even though you've been at this for a while, you're really doing great things. Ash Cash Exantis, so good to have you on The Express. And we look forward to great things from you in the future. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, but I appreciate you. It's terminology time, time for us to get smart with the investing term we need to know this week. This week's term comes to us from Mary in Houston, Texas, who suggests backwardation. And we like that term given what's been happening with oil prices lately. Backwardation, according to my favorite website, is when the current price or spot price of an underlying asset is higher than prices trading in the futures market. Backwardation can occur as a result of higher demand for an asset currently than the contracts maturing in the coming months through the futures market. Traders use backwardation to make a profit by selling short at the current price and buying at the lower futures price. Oil markets have had a turbulent ride over the past few years, but especially over the past several months. Back in the spring of 2020, the price of a barrel of oil notoriously entered negative territory as overall demand sharply declined because of the pandemic. Now demand is bouncing back and causing prices to rise past $95 a barrel. But prices in the futures market are not looking so good a.k.a. backwardation. Suppliers are struggling to catch up and eyeing the market for clues on what to do in the months ahead. 
Great suggestion, Mary in Houston, Texas. We've got a pair of sweet Investopedia socks heading your way for your next stroll over to the Buffalo Bayou Park. We're going to let Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm take us out this week. Shirley Anita Sainholt Chisholm was the first African-American woman elected to Congress back in 1968 and the first woman and African-American to seek the nomination for president of the United States from one of the two major political parties. That was in 1972. Her motto and the title of her autobiography, Unbought and Unbossed, illustrates her outspoken advocacy for women and minorities during her seven terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. Here's the congresswoman delivering the commencement address at MIT in 1984. But if we have live consciences, and many of you can become profiles in courage, you will stand up and be counted. You will even have the audacity to forget conventionalisms and forget tradition when tradition is no longer an answer to the problems that we are groping with in this world. What we will do is to do our best deeds, think our best thoughts, Looking only to God, whomever your God is, and to your consciences for approval. Do our best deeds, think our best thoughts, and look to our consciences for approval. So powerful. What a pioneer. Let's take that motto into this week and do our best deeds wherever we can. Thanks for riding with us this week and every week here on The Express. And we've got a new podcast for those of you interested in sustainable and environmental investing. It's The Green Investor, powered by Investopedia, and we go deep on how to invest along with your environmental sensibilities. The Green Investor is available wherever you listen to podcasts, so give it a listen if you want to learn more. Special thanks to Ash Cash Exantis for joining us this week. And if you need some motivation, check out Ash's social media channels. He will fire you up. And we'll talk to you again a little further on down the line.